You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, and I hope that you will consider subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I want to thank you for the questions uh, you sent to me this week. I'm going to answer the, the couple that were sent in just a bit, uh, but first let's recap last night's game between Atlanta United and Seattle, which ended with a 1-1 draw in the beautiful uh, Emerald City. Um, a penalty kick from Joseph Martinez in the 86th minute earned the point for the five stripes. His goal, his second this season, negated a goal allowed from a corner kick in the game's sixth minute uh, for Seattle. The penalty kick was created because Brooks Lennon was tackled late by Brad Smith in the box. Lennon was running into space to reach a really well-hit pass from center back Miles Robinson. One, he's, he's done that a few times this year. It was a bit of redemption for Lennon because he lost his or he was beaten by his uh, man Raul Ruiz on Seattle's corner kick in the sixth minute that led to its opening goal. It was another little bit of late magic for Atlanta United to secure a positive result. You'll of course remember that last week Marcelino Moreno scored in the ninety fourth minute or the fourth minute of stoppage time for Atlanta United to earn a one nothing win against Montreal last week. Uh, and just as in that game, Martinez's goal against Seattle was a team's second shot on goal. Atlanta United finished with 10 shots and 63 per, 63% of the possession. Both teams only put two shots on goal. Seattle was pinned back for most of the game. Part of that was because they didn't need to score again because they scored so early in the sixth minute. And part of it was Atlanta United dominating possession. The next step for Atlanta United is turning that possession into creating chances and scoring opportunities. That was something Gabriel Heinze, Brad Guzan, and Joseph Martinez noted after the match. As, as Martinez said in English, he, he really does speak English very, very well and should be applauded for that, uh, for learning it, I should say. Um, possession doesn't win games. Uh, creating chances and scoring wins games. And that's kind of the next step for Atlanta United because it created – from its 63% possession, it created just eight chances. Seattle created seven, and it only had the ball for 30-something percent of the game. Uh, so that's just – it's got to improve because right now you could argue Atlanta United's results aren't sustainable. Uh, to keep waiting late to, to either win or draw games, to not creating 
shots on goal from these opportunities, uh, it's it's not going to be sustainable, I don't think. Um, and people get mad at me on Twitter for talking about shots and shots on goal. But you can't win if you don't score, and you can't score unless you put a shot on goal. It's it's pretty simple. Um, you know, Joseph Martinez was used a lot last night to come back to the ball with Moreno or Lopez moving forward. I, I don't – I understand the tactic of having the forward drop back and try to pull a center back with him and create space. But right now – defenses don't really have to worry about Moreno or Lopez. They're not bona fide goal scorers. Joseph is the only bona fide goal scorer on the team. To have him dropping deep, pulling him away from goal and pulling him away from a chance at scoring, to me, is a misuse of him. Um, He's got to be the guy around the goal. He's the fox in the box, so to speak. Um, So we're going to – I'm curious if Heinze continues to use him that way. Uh, Because to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense based upon his talents. Um, He can create. I know he can create. Some of you, I assume, who are Joseph Martinez fans or fans of Venezuela's national team were were aggravated with me on Twitter for saying that and pointing out, well, he does that for Venezuela. And that's fine that he does that for Venezuela. But this isn't Venezuela. This is Atlanta United. He is the team's only bona fide goal scorer. Venezuela has several bona fide goal scorers, so he can play that role, that that playmaking role. Atlanta United, that's not what they need him to do, in my opinion. They need him to score, and score a lot, just as he did from 2017 through 2019. That's why he has, I I think, less than 10 assists and more than 80 goals now. It's because that's what he does. I'm not saying that he can't do it. I'm saying that he shouldn't do it. He should be the guy in the box to score. He's a fantastic player. But that's what they need him to do. Going through some of the other stats from the game, uh, Atlanta United 10 shots, Seattle 7, both two shots on goal. Atlanta United with five shots from inside the box, Seattle with six. Atlanta United with five shots from outside the box, um, nine open crosses, to Seattle seven. Seattle won more duels than Atlanta United, but that doesn't really matter a whole lot. Um, Jao Paulo with six chances created, so six of Seattle seven for the one player. Brooks Lennon again led Atlanta United with four chances created. Um, Franco Abara led the team with six tackles and tied for four fouls conceded. Marcelino Moreno. One four fouls that led Atlanta United. Atlanta United will now host Nashville next Saturday at 3.30, which is the same time as the Champions League game. I don't know why Major League Soccer decided to do that, but they did. I'll be curious if the game gets moved this week. I doubt it. Um, in the past, when this has happened, Atlanta United has played the Champions League game on the Halo board. They can't do that this time because they're going on concurrently. So there you go. It stinks uh, for soccer fans, uh, but that's just kind of the way it is. So I only got two questions this week, or three questions, but two of them were the same. So this will be a shorter podcast than usual, I I guess, because the games are kind of following a a familiar formula, so the questions have already been asked and answered. But on to the questions. We have an open roster spot after parting ways with Lissandro Lopez and uh, 
my my prayers and thoughts go out to Alessandro and his family after the death of his father. Um, it's it just uh, I hope that that they're doing better than they were, and I hope that they'll you know recover fully. And I'm sure that his memory will live on in their family. Um, so thoughts and prayers out to Lissandro and his family. Uh, it's clear an attacking piece is needed. What are the odds we look at bringing back someone like Tito Viaba? I think the odds of that are slim uh, to none. Um, Lissandro was in a supplemental roster spot for Atlanta United. If you look at uh, the rosters, um, the, I'm sorry, the salaries that were released uh, by the MLSPA just a bit ago, uh, Lissandro Lopez wasn't making uh, nearly what I would think a player like Tito Viaba uh, would make if he were to come back to Major League Soccer because he's doing well uh, down in, in Paraguay right now. I'm looking up Lissandro Lopez's salary uh, right now, and he made uh, just $81,000, 81375 Tito Viaba is not coming back for eighty-one three seven five. Maybe Atlanta United could move someone down into that supplemental roster spot, or waive or release someone uh, to create some monies or some, or some revenues in which they can pay someone. But a guy like Tito, I don't see coming back right now. Um, Next question. Do you think Atlanta United will acquire another attack-minded player in the summer transfer window? It's a good question. I think a lot of that is going to depend upon the prognosis of Jurgen Dom and Ezekiel Barco. We still don't know uh, what that is. I'm hoping to find out tomorrow uh, when those two players might return. Some of it might also depend upon Alan Franco and his prognosis. The team needs center back coverage. They need an experienced center back. Um, it's a tough ask to bring in a George Campbell, uh, for example, into play. I think he could do it, but it would be a tough ask to, to have him come in and just start and start going 90s. Um, so I think a lot is going to depend upon that. A lot of you are, are wanting a, a playmaking midfielder. That's supposed to be Barco. If he comes back, and again, after the Nashville game, Atlanta United won't play again for three more weeks because of the FIFA-mandated window. So that will give Barco time to, to fully rest and recover, depending upon what the injury is, and and be back as the attack attacking player that Atlanta United might need. It's still not clear if Barco is, is that guy. It hasn't been clear since he arrived. Um and yeah, you know, you could take that as a criticism of Barco, but it's more of a fact. It's it's why he still hasn't cracked ten assists with the club. Um, it's it's figuring out the best way to use his his unique abilities. And we're on the fourth manager now, and it's still not happened yet. Do I think Barco can become that guy? I do. Uh, do I think it's probable? I don't know. It's it's a tough question. It's a tough ask, and it's something that we'll find out. And then here's a and it. An Atlanta United adjacent question. Do I have any insight on the news that U.S. soccer is not going to renew its contract with Soccer United Marketing after 2022? Uh, this person has heard over the years that Soccer United Marketing's agreement with U.S. soccer 
that its ability to sell MLS rights as a package deal with U.S. soccer and English, English language World Cup rights practically saved MLS in the early 2000s. Is that true? I have heard that. I probably do think it's true when you can package them all together. It's like the savings bundles offered by insurance agencies. Well, I think it's a good move for U.S. soccer. Could it have any detrimental effect on MLS in the coming years? I think MLS is at a point that its standalone rights should have some value, particularly because it's now being watched uh, around the world. Um, now, all rights uh, for leagues are going through kind of a seismic shift because so many people are cutting cable cords and it becomes much more difficult to track viewership and, and rating, <laughs> excuse me, ratings and things like that. But the MLS TV rights deal comes uh, up, uh, what is it, in 2023, I think for next year, or I'm sorry, in two years. Um, so we should start getting some leaks of information about that soon and how it's going, depending upon how it's going. And now the last point I want to make, and this has been <laughs> this has been pretty funny on Twitter to track, and and the reactions have been outstanding. But just taking a break from Atlanta United, so Manchester City won the Premier League, uh, which they should. They spend more money than anyone else in the Premier League on players, and it's been shown time and time again throughout most sports, the teams that spend the most money are going to be the teams that win the titles or compete for the titles. There are a few exceptions. Leicester, you know, did it. The Premier Liverpool has done it in the Premier League without spending more money than everybody else. Um, so I tweeted out in response to someone else's tweet that I respect Pep Guardiola, but I'm not impressed. He's Manchester City's manager simply because the team has spent a billion dollars on players and if Guardiola is you know the world's greatest tactician and the world's greatest player manager why does Manchester City have to spend one billion dollars to prove that they should be able to spend a lot less and prove that that's not a knock on Guardiola I mean he's taking advantage of the situation as he should Manchester City plays beautiful football which they should because they spend the money I just want to see Guardiola do it, and I've said this about Mourinho too, at a team with finite resources. You know? Do it at a West Brom. Do it at an Arsenal. Come to MLS and do it, where you have severely limited resources compared to other teams. Go to AC Milan and do it. You know? That, to me, would prove that he is the world's greatest manager. It's not a knock on him. It's, it's really a knock on owners that will spend whatever he wants. Manchester City plays beautiful football. Pep Guardiola is an excellent manager, but I'll be truly impressed if he can do it at a team with finite resources. It's the same, and I've used this bar in other sports for other managers, um, I've done it for, for Phil Jackson in the NBA. Do it with a team that doesn't have a Michael Jordan or a Shaq or a Kobe. Do it there, and I'll be impressed. Um, got my respect, but I'm not impressed, and it, it's that simple. And the fact that people think that Pep thinks my opinion matters is also hilarious. <laughs> he, he could 
give two craps about my opinion. <laughs> Rightfully so. I'm, I'm a nobody in the world of soccer journalism. Uh, so I find the reactions really, really funny. But there, let's settle that. Anyway, this has been another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. Atlanta United, a 1-1 draw with Seattle, a well-deserved 1-1 draw with Seattle. The team is 2-2-2 this season. We'll host Nashville, a tough, tough out, another unbeaten team in Major League Soccer this season after it knocked off Austin 1-0 last night in its game. Uh, big, big test for Atlanta United. If they can get three points, it's going to feel really, really good going into the international break. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. Please consider subscribing to this podcast, Southern Fried Soccer, and to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.